day and welcome to the ARM Viewpoints Podcast, Episode 2, Ethical AI Leadership for Turbulent Times. In this podcast, we strive to deliver thought-provoking discussion, insight, and hopefully a little inspiration about what people can achieve using technology. So our topic today is extremely timely. Let's face it, the last year or so has been challenging, ever-changing, and sometimes just downright rough. But in a number of ways, it's also been a time of innovation, inspiration, and cooperation. It's reminded us all that we're all incredibly connected and that good things can happen when we work together. Technology, of course, has played a huge role in enabling us to do that, and we've relied on it more than ever to manage in these turbulent times. Our guest today, Carolyn Herzog, is someone who's had a front row seat. In fact, has been an active participant in finding the best ways for people to use technology to meet today's challenges. Carolyn is EVP, General Counsel, and Chair of the AI Ethics Working Group at ARM. Well, thanks very much for inviting me to be here with you today. I'm really excited to talk about this topic. It is very timely, as you said, and uh, really, really delighted to share our story here at ARM and to talk about about what we've been doing to navigate through these turbulent times. Well, thank you. Now, we all know 2020 was a turbulent year for everyone. So perhaps to kick us off, you can tell us how you adapted to this personally and how you've seen the technology industry change. I think we were always traveling. We were always working on a pretty flexible schedule. And, you know, when we moved into a remote environment, we were actually surprised in some ways how well people did. It was not that it wasn't difficult. It was extremely challenging. But, um, you know, people really moved into the remote environment, were able to support our customers, were able to connect with each other. And that connectivity, I know, is something that we're going to talk about. But it has been obviously a a challenging year for people. Um, You know, it is a very anxiety-driven, you know, environment. People are very unsure about what was happening in the global political environment. ARM has been through a lot of changes, you know, as as a company as well. And that's something that I think as leaders, we're all called upon to deal with. Yeah, I think all those things are really true. And and particularly that whole thing of everybody having to navigate it together, you know, because we've had that blurring of lines between home and office. Um, We've had the structure in a lot of ways kind of uh, stripped out from under us in some uh, respects. So even a, a thing like traveling to work in the morning, you, you you might have had a commute, and that might have been like your thinking time before the day really started. Um, but all of a sudden, you're just your commute is maybe from your bedroom to your home office. And so that thinking time you, you no longer have, and you need to kind of use other tools as a way of recreating structure. That's a good segue into our next topic of AI. AI is becoming more ubiquitous as our lives have moved increasingly online in the past year. Given its increase in use, how well do you think the average person understands what role AI plays in their lives? I think the average person doesn't think of it at all. In fact, uh, you know, we talk about it a lot in, in, in ARM. We talk about it a lot in, in, in larger technology companies. I think governments are starting to think about it a lot more. But most people haven't thought about it and, and weren't thinking about it when it was being created. People thought about it in, in the context of, you know, movies, you know, they thought about it in the context of sort of, you know, the sensationalization of, of AI and, and, and probably not in such positive ways. And yet, 
AI has been in our lives for a very long time. Uh, you know, AI has been used in lots of incredibly positive ways. You know, it's been used by doctors to assist in, in surgery. It's been used by doctors to assist in diagnosis. It's been obviously been used in the legal field. We're using it every day to help us move faster and to use uh, technology to, to, to assist us in, in many different ways. And, and yet, I mean, obviously we're using it daily to, to open our phone and to use it from facial recognition. It's being used in airports. Um, but it's also been used in ways that perhaps didn't work out so well. And so we see it in the news when facial recognition technology was was used in a way that perhaps created an unfair bias. And, and so that's why, you know, we've been talking about it at ARM and, and, and why other companies are talking about it to make sure that we're thinking about this kind of framework and, and thinking about, well, how can we be, you know, te- technology is always going to move faster than regulation. That is, that is the nature of technology. So I know that ARM launched an AI ethics manifesto to ensure artificial intelligence is engineered to be ethical by design. And my understanding is that this manifesto provides an ethical framework to help ensure that AI is developed in a fair and responsible way. Can you tell us a bit more about why ARM did this? The objectives have really been to encourage community participation, so influence with other technology companies. And we've had other technology companies who actually, you know, uh, will, will work on similar manifestos. And, and, and actually, in the end, the pillars of the 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 outcome that you know from the manifesto, which are things like eliminating bias, uh, you know, encouraging transparency, promoting security are not that unique to what other companies have come up with in, in similar ideals, but the operationalization of how, every once in a while I get that word out, <laughs> but the operationalization of how we implement it would be very different. And so because you know we are not producing a product to, that sells directly into the market, um, what we are encouraging, you know, we will operationalize as well at ARM, you know, in, in terms of, you know, the, the work that we're doing. And I'm happy to share some of how we're doing that. But, you know, it will be slightly different than how, you know, a Microsoft or an Oracle or other companies that are, you know, or an, an, an Amazon or others that are doing similar work might do at their, at their companies. Um, but other companies are thinking about similar ideals. ARM clearly has a key voice within the technology sector and is able to use its position to promote positive initiatives in the industry, in particular in its recent AI ethics manifesto. But what has it learned from this initiative? I think what we learned is that the purpose for it is is, is very much needed. The technology will move faster than regulation. Regulation couldn't possibly keep up with this. There are certain overarching uh, regulations like the GDPR, you know, in in Europe that will be necessary to supplement a framework, but that without a framework for ethics and thinking about these big topical issues, again, like eliminating bias in the machine, um, that, that, you know, regulation will never be able to keep up and you will end up with fragmentation of regulation and artificial intelligence will never be trusted and trust in the technology that can do this potential good in, in, in society is going to be necessary. And, and artificial intelligence will exist and it will, it will complement what humans can do in the legal community. For instance, we're using artificial intelligence in, in, in our, in our work every day. We're not no longer using, 
you know, lawyers and spending lots of money reviewing contracts every day. We're using artificial intelligence to review reams and reams of paperwork. Um, and, and we're getting better and moving faster. And it's amazing what technology can do. At ARM, we've used, we've enabled a technology with an asthma inhaler that helps children and helps people suffering from asthma to know exactly how much medicine they need to help you know, cure, cure their problems. And it's, it's saving lives. And, and that's remarkable. But the potential for harm is out there. And the, the potential to weaponize technology is out there. And, and, and the challenge is without the oversight. So for instance, we have an oversight committee that is diverse by selection and is using guidelines to look at the technology and say, well, what, do we have security in mind when we developed it? Because the technology may not be a technology that is being used for security, but could the technology potentially be used for harm if security is not de designed in mind? And so you'll have wonderful devices that are being used for clean air or for clean water. Well, the purpose is for clean air and clean water, but could it be weaponized for, for a nefarious purpose? And so if we're not thinking about security. If, if somebody's not making sure that 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 particular pillar is being leveraged and, and thought about, well, then we're missing that ethical that ethical ethical framework. And if we help regulators and if we think in advance and, and enable regulators to regulate around that, then we will avoid that fragmentation. Yeah. And I think, too, when you when you look at things like self-driving cars, uh, there's some interesting questions there, too, in terms of uh, an algorithm and what the ethics are and, and how you solve problems. Like there's somebody right in front of the vehicle, but you turn to the right and there's somebody else there. And what do you get the vehicle to do? Um, and, and, and what kind of inputs are needed for, for it to make the, the right safe judgment? They are very interesting choices. And if you've ever gone onto, um, you know, MIT's uh, website and, and, and the Harvard websites and taken any of those those tests, they are truly fascinating tests because, you know, certainly from my own perspective, some of the things that I'm learning is that, you know, we're not willing to take human ethical choices out of even things like self-driving. And it's truly fascinating because, you know, what it tells us is that there, there are human moral choices that are quite different than a legal choice. That is a really interesting social experiment. Yeah. Yeah. It is fascinating. And, and it kind of gets me to think about the whole idea of how much people actually understand about AI, um, like the, the whole kind of black box AI, the notion that, well, may, people may see the data that goes into an AI decision and the resulting decision, the intervening steps are a bit of an impenetrable black box to many people. It kind of reminds me of kids learning how to do math and no teacher really has any idea whether or not a student properly understands the principles they're trying to teach if all they get is a result to a question that was asked. The real proof is when they show their work, how they got there. So how does ARM approach this whole black box uh, AI problem? Right, because when you think about the black box, right, that is a closed system. You know, it takes in input and it produces output and it offers absolutely no clue as to why or how. So what are we really afraid of, right? You know, should we... Should we be afraid? And, and what is really innovation but that marriage of science and innovation, 
right? And so, you know, the black box is the thing, you know, that's hidden in there that ex- it should explain all the answers. And, and, and when we talk about AI and these pillars of explainability that, you know, what's in the black spot is, is you know, there's this fear is that, that AI will become more intelligent than humans, but what, what is it really intelligence? Well, it's 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 not really intelligence. It's 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 about how it's learning. It's the algorithm that continues to learn from what the engineers have told it to learn. And so, you know, it, 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 when we think about what needs to be explained, you know, it is it is how it has made its decision, right? So, it, you know, we're, it's not about it's not about an invisible, you know, not every decision has to be explained fully. You just have to explain the algorithm. Yeah, well, I saw that you wrote last year about the work being undertaken by the U.S. government to establish a set of AI regulatory principles. So what's the state of play in that? And what would your advice be to President Biden and his administration of how they should tackle or what they should tackle first in relation to those those principles? I mean, first, I think, you know, we all anticipate that the the new administration is going to be um, more collaborative and engaging with with the technology sector in dialogue, and so I think we're going to you know it's it's very difficult you know we expect regulators are, you know are there to regulate and that you know they're they're not all technologists and so it's very difficult for um, you know regulators to understand the technology so we're expecting. Uh, more dialogue around the technology and more understanding about what the technology is capable of. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, to, to try and over-regulate is, is usually a mistake. Um, you know, I've talked about that a number of times in terms of that, 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 that ability to, to create a fragmentation of regulation would be, um, you know, tying the hands of, of the, the technology companies in terms of the potential of AI. So I, I think paying really close attention to uh, data privacy in particular, I think is a very important area of, of regulation that we need to focus on. I think security standards, again, is, is a very important area of regulation that we need to focus on. So th- those are two areas that I think would be of primary importance. So as you talk to other companies um, and you see what they're doing, are, are they taking a position or a view on AI ethics? And if so, um, how does ARM's approach differ? You know, again, the, the more that we have um, honed in on this, the more that we're seeing that companies are actually coming to very similar standards. Um, we think the principles are, are very similar. And then the question is, how do you operationalize it? How do you make it work? And that's where companies, I think, struggle. It's very difficult to make it work. We've established a, a steering committee for launching any artificial intelligence or machine learning product to look at all of the pillars and say, are we, are we actually testing across and making sure that everything that we do is um, is consistent with the standards, and 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 you know we're, we're really in the infancy around that, and I think other companies are doing very similar things. And some of the stuff that we'd like to see is say, well, now that we've been doing this, can we compare? You know, benchmarking is always a, a great way to see how others are um, using you know these standards and saying, you know, did you did you learn something that we you know haven't learned yet? So I think a lot of companies are really in the just beginning stages of implementing these standards and 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 seeing how they work. Uh, and certainly we are very interested in learning from others and seeing how it's working. Let's take a look ahead a bit. We'll start. I, I know it's dangerous at, after the year we've just had to do any kind of predictions at all. <laughs> um, but what do you see happening for ARM and AI ethics in the year ahead? You know, we are really still in the early stages of 
testing our production, testing how we are launching our own operationalization of our manifesto, our standards, we're doing training, Um, we're we're finding out what other companies are doing. Other companies, I think, are enjoying talking to us about what we're doing. So I would say in the years ahead, I'd like to see this becoming more of a standard. I'd like to see companies saying, you know, yes, this was was a great idea. Um, Now we're all bought in. Maybe, you know, I've said, you know, maybe companies can audit against this. So this could be an auditable standard. We're interested in seeing what governments are doing. So companies, you know, we've seen governments say, well, we'd like to create some policy around this or we're creating... Um, you know, governance around this. So I've talked about Singapore, the UK, the US. Um, we'd like to maybe see some more coalition around that so that this was once an idea um, and, and, and we'd really like to see this becoming, you know, one, once a spark, now something that really is truly um, implemented as a, a standard way of operating. So what will AI ethics look like in the real world? I think it will look, you know, kind of the opposite of what we're seeing in other areas in technology. We have had, you know, we've seen tech lash because technology, I don't think companies, you know, truly intended to do harm. They move fast, right? And they, and they, and they did things that, um, you know, that, that, that created some harm in, in ways that um, they didn't set out to, to do, but you nevertheless moved too quickly. And, and, and that created a tech lash that perhaps was deserved in some areas. And, you know, ARM is, ARM is a company that believes in creating technology to do good. And, you know, we really, it really permeates in, in everything that we do and in the decisions that we make. And, and I feel very proud of that. And, and, and in working in something like this is because you want to get ahead of that, that potential for harm. And, you know, and I, I think the, the technology sector has to own that tech lash. We, we as a society are, have to own this and have to make sure that for our future societies, we are thinking about these ethical frameworks and are thinking about that potential for harm. You know, we are living in a world where climate change is an important uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a, it's a critical, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a critical factor for, for, for the current administration. I mean, the current administration has been very clear about what's important. Race is, is a primary factor for this agenda as well. These are all factors that are part of the AI agenda as well. Yeah. And I think that wraps up kind of the three big themes that I've heard here about trust, transparency, and reassurance uh, that you mentioned earlier. Um, and those are somewhat inspirational. So I'm going to leave you with a chance to do a bit of further inspiration. So if you can achieve your goals with ethical AI, what would the result be for the industry and for individuals? Well, for the industry, I think it's a huge opportunity to collaborate while still achieving its technology goals. So the industry has an opportunity to both promote its technology and promote trust in its technology and have growth for the industry while doing something that's incredibly good. So it's an opportunity for trust and collaboration and an opportunity to work with governments and governments around the world where we can avoid fragmentation of regulation 
um, and really work together to think about, well, how do we want our technology to be received on a global basis um, while making sure that it is an incredibly successful technology and avoid the potential for harm that was never intended. So we can really think together about how technology can be used for the intention in which it was created and avoid potential harms that we never thought uh, could, could happen. Um, and for myself, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's seeing something through that was just an idea uh, that others seem to relate to. And so it's been an incredibly interesting project. It's certainly um, made me think beyond my initial boundaries and what I was, you know, thinking of that one day in, in, in the boardroom. And, and it's, it sparked um, passion and ideals for, for others as well. So it's been, it's just been a tremendous project that I'm really happy Ted has gotten to this point and I hope it, it continues and is, is, you know, is, is a, is a great success. Well, thank you, Carolyn. That is inspiring. And uh, that brings us to the end of our first arm viewpoints podcast. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again. Thank you. <laughs>